Pfizer vaccine reverse transcribes through an enzyme called line one, that means DNA is made from the Pfizer RNA code and then is installed into the human genome or is at least found in chromatin about six hours after injection. Now this was using a human hepatoma cell line, so they had to get the right cell line, they had to get the right conditions. But the CDC has always said, don't worry, these vaccines don't alter human DNA. This is the first paper to show that at least the middle 444 base pair clearly is in human DNA. And many experts believe if the middle part of the code gets in it, then the full length of the code must reverse transcribe. If this is true, if this paper is true, this has massive implications. Now it's gonna to have to be validated, it's gonna to have to be a lot, a lot of additional work. But if this is true, this means people who have taken the vaccine now actually have a permanent alteration in their genes that they themselves have the code for this dangerous Wuhan spike protein that was altered in the lab in China that they themselves, years later, could potentially produce the spike protein either on a chronic low level to cause disease or on an inducible level, and that means in the setting of a stress, produce a lot of it, and then create spike protein disease in the body, which I'll tell you, clearly the spike protein causes disease. But this is far and away the most worrisome paper that's been published since the release of the vaccines. And if it's true, we could be in real trouble because parent cells would pass it on to daughter cells. That means gametocytes, that is sperm and egg, will contain some of this and pass it down to the baby. And we'll never be able to get this spike protein out of the human species. This is an extremely, extremely important development. A student in a lab in Sweden was the first one to show it and we are anxiously awaiting lots of confirmation. Many groups now are working on confirmation. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Jeez, Wednesday, July 13th, 2020. Thank you for joining me today. I'm already feeling like we're going to have a lot of problems with the stream today. I guess we're just under aggressive manipulation censorship today. That's what it feels like. Uh, that's the focal point of one thing we're going to talk about today, which is censorship. The reason I'm saying that, let me know how everything's going for you in the chat, because it seems like our stream instantly got hit right when we started. Just could be coincidence and whatever else, but uh, let me know in the chat. So today we're talking about some important information around censorship, but it's not me, of course. T-Lab being censored, that's old news. That happens every other day, it seems, all over the place, you know, for peer-reviewed science and things that we can prove. Today is about the censorship, but not just because it was T-Lab, myself, in, in, in our new Twitter account, but because it was peer-reviewed study science that was being discussed by a very highly credentialed and, in fact, in, this, in his field, the most cited doctor in that field. 
and he's just Dr. Peter McCullough. Now, just because they've deemed him Mr. Conspiracy Theory because we don't want you to hear what he has to say and debunked his entire life because of something somebody told you on corporate media, if you're just willing to dismiss and ignore what's being stated, that's ridiculous, first of all. But ask yourself how we got to this point. How we could be at a point where a doctor, regardless of what you think about him, regardless of how you've slandered this person in the corporate discussion, a highly credentialed doctor who is a doctor, who has very highly credentialed backgrounds, credentials, excuse me, saying that wrong word there, and has shown himself over the years to be involved with the very people that are now attacking him, like a lot of these people, have worked in the past with different pharmaceutical companies or different situations and the, the varied people in varied positions. Dr. McCullough specifically has been working on this field for a very long time. So when he stands up and says something, one, in and of itself, it should be able to be discussed. Now, even just say, that's the truth. That should be allowed to be said. But that's not what we're doing. We're saying, look at what he has to say. But the fact that it's not even allowed to be discussed is incredible. Then you can ask yourself how it's possible he can be discussing and pointing at a peer-reviewed study. Peer-reviewed. The very thing they tell you you're supposed to listen to while not looking at it. And he's pointing at that study, saying, if this is true, which because that's the real way to look at this, not that science therefore fact, but because... If that science is then backed up by other scientists and continues to be found, just because the science studies peer review doesn't mean that it's absolute. We've seen that throughout the past. DDT was safe right up until it wasn't. Agent Orange was safe right up until it wasn't. Now you can obviously argue there's more than just bad science being done right there. But we have a historical precedent for realizing that we made mistakes or that there's other interest involved. The point is that if he's pointing at the peer-reviewed study and discussing the peer-reviewed study as a doctor that is, in fact, a highly credentialed doctor... How in the world can that be censored? That's what we're talking about today. Now, all we did on this channel and this platform and Twitter at this case was post exactly what he said and put it out there with a video of him pointing at the study. And then I linked the actual study beneath the tweet. We just got our entire account censored today just for that. You know why? Because the study was finding the fact that this is changing your body, that the injection was in fact altering your DNA, by the way, which numerous peer-reviewed studies have found in different ways. But apparently, you're not allowed to say that because Twitter has decided that's not allowed to be said. Not that it's fake, but that's one of the things you're not supposed to say out loud until somebody above lets us know that we're allowed to, like the Wuhan lab discussion. Fake, fake news. You're all crazy conspiracy theorists up until we go, okay, now go ahead. Now you can talk about it. What changed? Oh, nothing. We just now are allowed to talk about it. Got it. Now we understand. That's the incredible part about where we are. And that's why I believe that most people can see this. Even people that want to believe that or agree with what they're doing decide that we're all crazy and we shouldn't be allowed to talk. Still know somewhere that that's crazy. They just are okay with it because they don't want that person to be able to speak. It's a team sports game. It's very frustrating. But we're going to talk about that today in that context, not just me being censored, but how important it is that these conversations aren't allowed to be had. I actually just had an interview with uh, Miriam B. Lady this morning talking about a lot of that same stuff. But we're also going to get into some really important conversations today, such as the continuation of the health emergency and how the WHO has also just stood up, again, weirdly ahead of the curve, TLAF seems to be, and said, we're going to, we need man mask mandates to come back. We just went through this. So I made a little small video about a minute long, jam packing all of the stuff we talked about yesterday in regard to masks. And we're going to make sure you see that, but also make an important point about TLAF pirate streams and channels and how it is working. We have found a way around their censorship, and I'll make it clear to you today. But we're also going to talk about the continuation of the emergency authorization, some more points on that. But on top of that, a really important point about another cover-up of what we see happening today. 
Another, a new thing as of yesterday, the CDC's reporting is PEV. Pare, uh, actually, I forgot. I should have looked this up, which we should just, I'll do right now. Or have that when we get to it, in fact, so I'm to make you wait, but make sure we pronounce it correctly. But uh, the PEV and basically this issue that they're talking about in children, just children, that weirdly is tied to myocarditis. But of course, they don't say that anywhere in their discussion. But when you look it up, you find out that's connected and encephalitis and all these other things that are being caused by the injections that they have admitted are being caused by the injection. Super rare, though, but are admitted to being caused. And now we're seemingly grabbing all these other things around, like the blood clot conversation and everything under the sun is causing this. And sure, maybe they do. But why don't we ask whether the thing that is proven to cause them might be the case that's causing it now? That's crazy. So let me get this straight. We admit that this causes blood clots. This person over here got the shot, then got a blood clot. If I were to go, did the shot cause the blood clot? Oh, conspiracy theory. What's missing there? <laughs> what exactly is breaking down in there when you admit that it happens and we point it out that it's possible, but when you point that out, you get called crazy. There's an agenda. That's what's missing in there. Rather, that's in there that's missing the main point. But then we also have an interesting um, addition to what we've been talking about, moral bioenhancement. We've made this point many times where they argue in 2018, this is actually before that, in fact, that, you know, if we were going to alter the human body with moral bioenhancements, you know, like nanotechnology, if we decided that was the right thing, you know, for pandemics or maybe for climate change, then we should just do it without their knowledge because people are too dumb to understand why it's best for them. Now that's paraphrasing, but that's basically what this is saying. But now there's a new one we haven't talked about that's called climate change cooperation and moral bioenhancement that basically makes the argument that you too, you're too dumb to understand how important this is. So we should just go ahead and do it now. Do things that will in fact alter the way you see the world. In fact, literally, as it says, technologies that could actually create a situation to make you more altruistic, more trusting without your knowledge, of course, but that's best for everybody. Therefore, they decided let's go ahead and, or rather that that would be the right thing to do, you know, in that distant, unimaginable situation. That's how that was being framed, but maybe we're there now. And of course, we're going to talk about the new Moderna shots. In fact, that they're going to make do different shots for different places in the world, even though that doesn't even make sense based on what they're saying. Their logic of why doesn't add up with what's actually happening. This is getting out, just, I mean, how, it's getting outrageous. What's beyond outrageous? This is catastrophic. I mean, this is off the rails. It's the best thing I always say because this is off, we have decoupled from the rail. We are in a different direction. We are falling over in the desert somewhere while the track is going this way. This is completely off the rails because what they're saying is, well, they have that over there and that's why we should make one different. But when you quickly look it up, that's not even the variant they say is there. So if you're making one specifically for the UK that's tailored to a variant you say they're dealing with, and then you look it up and that's not even the variant that's predominant in their area, how do you make sense of that? I'll leave that to you. The point is that we're being lied to about everything in front of us. Those are interesting points I'll finish with today, but I'll leave that till the end. Usually I start with it, but we're going to jump right in today in regard to the censorship conversation. Your account, not, not T-Lab right? Not your old dunces. No, this is the third one. This is Doodlebug Eye, this, which was my assistant's old account, is currently suspended. You want to find out why? Well, you won't be surprised. I basically told you, but so the way it went was interesting. First, they said it's basically locked, which means you can get it back usually, right? It's locked. Then you have to go through their hoops and 
pat yourself on the wrist and say, bad, 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 Ryan, you can't say those things. And then they'll give it back to you in 24 hours. That's usually to train you not to say it. And usually they give you a little pop-up and say, did you know that not everybody has a second violation <laughs> because they just dutifully fall into line and do what they're told? Well, here's the tweet, guys. Dr. McCullough stating what he said. I'll show it to you. So it's gone. It's gone. The doodle blog account is gone unless they decide to bring it back. So here it is. They switched over to saying it's you violated it. You've been suspended. Here's the tweet, which is very strange, by the way. I don't know what's going on, but usually when your account is gone, they remove everything. I can't access it. Now, I'll show you that right now. Just bring it up and you can see it right here. Your account's been suspended. It's not permitted to form this action, perform this action. I can't see anything anywhere. But what's interesting, though, maybe it's just from my perspective. Let me know if you guys can see my old tweets. But apparently I can still see them. See, if I try to click this, it goes there, zero, zero, but I can still see the tweets. That's not, that hasn't happened before, but good. That means I can make some points. The point here is that this was the tweet that was shared. Dr. McCullough, if this study is correct, people who have taken the COVID injection, sort of paraphrasing what he said, and then quote, now have a permanent alteration in their genes. That's what he said exactly. And then again, paraphrasing, and this can potentially pass on to their children. It's exactly what he said. Just trying to sum it up in one little statement. I wasn't adding my thoughts. That's what he said as a highly credentialed doctor, literally pointing at a peer-reviewed study and the study was linked right beneath it. Here's the link study. And by the way, the show in which I discussed this study way back in March, which I did. Not new. You guys on this channel have seen this if you're watching this channel, which tends to be the case, doesn't it? You watch this channel, you're a couple months ahead of most things going on. That's not because I'm patting myself on the back. It's just what has happened. I'm proud of that. Now, what's interesting here is the video, which I played in the beginning, it's very easy or easy, you know, very clear. It's just him discussing this and it's not hard to understand one, why this is provable because of the peer reviewed science, but two, why they don't want you to see it. We play it again, just for those that might not have seen it. Vaccine reverse transcribes through an enzyme called line one. That means DNA is made from the Pfizer RNA code and then is installed into the human genome or is at least found in chromatin about six hours after injection. Now this was using a human hepatoma cell line, so they had to get the right cell line. They had to get the right conditions. But the CD- Now, by the way, there's people posting stuff about other other people, other doctors that have made statements about why this study is unsound. What, that's fine. That's what science is supposed to be, you understand? It's not one scientist attacking the other scientist, one study competing with the other study. This is, this is the two-party paradigm nonsensical mindset of everything that's melting your brain. It's got to be that or one savior. One doctor is the only one. Science is evolving. It's a peer-reviewed study. It, that, that should be behind us. The problem is during COVID mania, they've had this weird broken nature of going back as editing teams and censoring content because they don't agree with it. DC has always said, don't worry, these vaccines don't alter human DNA. This is the first paper to show that at least the middle 444 base pair clearly is in human DNA. And many experts believe if the middle part of the code gets in it, then the full length of the code must reverse transcribe. See, the problem is that just because an editorial team steps in and tries to take some, a study down doesn't mean that the science wasn't there. And it doesn't mean that the peer-reviewed scientists or other, other experts didn't already agree with it. It means that it already happened. If it's peer-reviewed, it already went through the process. The editorial team to step in, as Malone pointed out, is completely unprecedented. 
That if, if there was some issue, it should have been got. It should have been grabbed while it was going through the peer review process. So the problem is that, pe- but the, the studies are there and sound and set. Now, are there issues? Can you go back later and say, oh, they missed this, or maybe they didn't do this the right way? Yes, and they stay there. You just continue to do more science. Now, if it's absolutely found to be ridiculous, like they lied about something or it's completely wrong, well, those things can be retracted. That's what those used to be for. But the problem is that it's supposed to be a building body of evidence, not the one thing that we last pointed at. Therefore, that's the only conversation. So the problem is you have a doctor with, an, you know, whether you have an agenda or not, making these statements about, he, this is the wrong cell line. They should have used this. This should have. The point is not even about whether the, the study is proving that that's happening. There's plenty of other peer-reviewed science. We've done entire segments on actually the fact of the peer-reviewed science that it is changing your DNA. It's been found multiple ways. The point here is about how this is able to be censored. It's just because it's him. It's because it's T-Lav. And it's because it's a specific topic that they've deemed undiscussable. You're not allowed to discuss whether or not it changes your DNA. That's a very sensitive talking point. Now, when peer-reviewed science finds this, it's it, it, let's put it this way. First of all, it's discussable whether or not that's there. The, the, the amazing reality that we're in a position now where the very government that used to pretend it protects your right for, to free speech, but except now, you know, but now adding all these caveats, right? That's the very same government that used to pretend all these things, but now they're stepping in and censoring anything they don't agree with. Caitlin Johnstone points this out around the Ukraine war. It's, a, it's an incredible shift. It's not just, oh, well, that's hurting people. It's that, well, that's just not what we agree with. You're not allowed to challenge the United States government stance on the war. We're seeing that everywhere. But the same thing is happening now in this regard, where you're just not allowed to make these points. The same thing with mass up until they slightly changed that or the Wuhan lab discussion until they just said, OK, now you can talk about it. That without any expertise or any doctors involved is crazy town. It doesn't matter whether you're an expert or not. I should be allowed to voice my opinions, however extreme or crazy or not, as long as I'm not breaking the law or hurting anybody. But the point here is that this is just absolutely sound pre-COVID-19. This is an important person having an important conversation about important peer-reviewed science, but censorship. If this is true, if this paper is true, this has massive implications. Now, it's going to have to be validated. It's going to have to be a lot, a lot of additional work. But if this is true, this means people have taken the vaccine now actually have a permanent alteration in their genes that they themselves have the code for this dangerous Wuhan spike protein that was altered in the lab in China, that they themselves, years later, could potentially produce the spike protein either on a chronic low level to cause disease or on an inducible level, and that means in the setting of a stress, produce a lot of it, and then create spike protein disease in the body, which I'll tell you, clearly the spike protein causes disease. But this is far and away the most worrisome paper that's been published since the release of the vaccines. And if it's true, we could be in real trouble because parent cells would pass it on to daughter cells. That means gametocytes, that is sperm and egg, will contain some of this and pass it down to the baby. And we'll never be able to get this spike protein out of the human species. This is an extremely, extremely important development. A student in a lab in Sweden was the first one to show it, and we are anxiously awaiting lots of confirmation. Many groups now are working on confirmation.
it's an important discussion that this is being, again, not just the data that I, that I think is completely over the top. I mean, it's all over the place. But what's important is that this kind of thing is not allowed to be discussed. Now, what's also what's interesting, by the way, is the link that you can look at for yourself, which is very clear. February 23rd, peer reviewed MDPI preclinical studies of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine, specifically BNT162B2, developed by Pfizer and Biotech, showed reversible hepatic effects in animals that received the BN, the Pfizer injection, first of all. So all of this conversation, this is not even just one thing. In animal studies prior to this, they also found this. Like, so think about how crazy it is that this is being censored, not even the study, but the fact that another doctor points at it. Furthermore, a recent study showed that SARS-CoV-2 RNA can be reverse transcribed and integrated into the genome of human cells. Not possibly, not this, this is the kind of thing that's supposed to drive the conversation. Not that you blindly trust it, but that you just look at it and go, well, that's interesting. That's not what we're being told. Let's talk about that. In this study, we investigated the effect of BT162B2, BNT162B2 on the human liver cell line HUH7 in vitro. And that's one thing people point out as some kind of an issue. HUH7 cells were exposed to BNT to the, to the Pfizer injection. We detected high levels of the Pfizer injection in those cells and changes in gene expression of long interspersed nuclear element one, line one, which is the uh, endo, in, endogenous reverse transcriptase. And the point is that the, even Dr. McCullough, even Dr. McCullough was saying, look, if, if this proves out, if more people continue to research this and we find more correlation, he's not saying absolute. He's not doing what the media and Fauci level people do, that this is what it is, fact, nothing else is conversation. That's what people who lie do. People who are willing to have conversations and allow you to think for yourself will point at this and say, but let's wait and see what else happens. That's the kind of thing they don't like. That's why they censor this show. It says, our results indicate a fast uptake of the Pfizer injection into human liver cell line, HUH7, leading to changes in line one expression and distribution. We also show that the Pfizer mRNA is reverse transcribed intracellularly into DNA in as fast as six hours upon injection. My God. Now, you remember, there's like five or six other peer-reviewed studies we've talked about in regard to cell lines and liver, uh, uh, hepatic cancer, all sorts of things. But we're just not allowed to talk about it. You know, and the, the problem is that I don't learn my lesson. I push harder. And by the way, that even pushes me away from a lot of the people in the independent media. They're trying to walk that line because they don't want to be tagged in that category. They don't want other people that can't see this to think, look at that crazy maniac. Look at him spreading all that fake news. And then of course, I go on and talk about some things that may be a little bit on the line because we should be allowed to have conversations about things we can't prove. And that just kind of gets further. You know, I mean, you guys see it <laughs> as much as we continue to be proven right. We get ostracized by everybody. This is frustrating. Right. But the, the people like Dr. McCullough are standing up for what he believes. And even if you disagree with him. Now, I reached out to him as well, actually, and said, hey, check this out. They censored me based on what you were saying. And we talked a bit, little bit about it. And he basically he actually sent me this tweet showing this. And he you know, made the same point, you know, because his he didn't put a tweet out like this. The video was shared by somebody else with that discussion, which, by the way, is uh, right here. Where was it? I'm jumping ahead. Or I had it. Oh, it's right there. That's what this is. Again, I am not, I do not want this person to get censored. That's not the point. In fact, I hope they don't. But what's interesting is to note is this person's account, which had a smaller following than my other one, which is like five, 6,000 something, posted the video. That's where I shared it from. So the net, so on July 12th, I shared it. This one has more views and ex exponentially more engagement. And it's still there. 
So why does that make sense? So it's not really about the content in it. It's about how it's being used. It's about how it can be de de regarded. So if, we, if, if it's going out in a way, and also I should probably argue that it doesn't say in the comment section or rather the text section what I put, which is the reality. So maybe it's an algorithmic thing. I don't know. But it's just interesting, the deviation, right? They don't, their rules are applied however they want them to be. Here's the show, by the way, we talked about this in March 5th, 2022, where we specifically discussed this. But here's the one he said me. Twitter served lawsuit summons of complaint through discovery. We'll learn how a syndicate is collaborating to unfollow, block verification, suspend, delete user accounts, are not aligned with the false government biopharmaceutical complaints narrative, uh, many players to be easily exposed. So there's apparently more lawsuit investigation coming around this kind of manipulation of their content and people to talk about it. So we'll have to wait and see. But his point was simply that, you know, if you say certain things, they will censor you. And I, and I get, I agree. But as you know, I will never self-censor. I think that is a loss in my opinion. But I do understand why some people try to play the game. Because clearly, maybe I'm wrong. Clearly, I'm having more difficulty reaching people in this way than some people that kind of self-censor their certain words or comments. But I just refuse to play their game. I refuse to play their game. I'm going to continue to speak my mind because that's the right that I have. Not that Twitter gets to decide what I can say, so I self-censor, which eventually does change the way I talk or think. Realize, whatever. even if you think you're playing a game, it does change you in small ways. That's why you guys can always count on me to do that, wherever I end up, because they push me into that corner. Now, here's another one, by the way, before we go into the point of which I, why I think T-Lab pirate channels and that kind of direction is working. Here's another video. Same kind of thing. This is, for, this is Dr. Ryan Cole says this, and by the way, everything he says here is backed by peer-reviewed science and Pfizer's own data, by the way. Undoubtedly, many will dismiss it, but deep down, as I wrote, you know, all you have to do is actually just look at the data, which is why you instead choose to trust what they tell you it says. Like in this situation. Oh, fake news. Look, Twitter said. Well, does that link have anything to do with what he's talking about? No, it doesn't. It's broad, general things they state. Safe and effective. Vaccines work. Save your life. Good. That's science, right? No, it's not. That's statements by Twitter that have nothing, they have no idea what they're talking about. This is science. That's a scientist and a doctor pointing at scientific studies that have been peer reviewed. So my point is, this is the same thing. Now, this would have probably gotten censored as well. Maybe it was part of it. Oh, by the way, I guess I, I don't, I can't download the video because you, I can't get it to download since this Twitter account has been locked. But let's watch this real quickly and you can take a listen. Single daughter. Not only could you be sterilizing your daughter, you could be ruining her heart, you could be inflaming her liver, you could be inflaming her brain, her adrenal glands, um, her spleen, her bone marrow. Uh, children are at zero risk for COVID, zero, statistically zero. Healthy children do not die from this disease. Healthy children do not have severe adverse effects from this disease. Healthy children are at zero risk for COVID. And I call it COVID now, not COVID, because we have Omicron. And in children, it is a sniffle. Why would you give a gene-based experimental shot to your child, risking her fertility, risking her heart, her brain, her liver, her health for her entire lifetime for a common sniffle? There is no logic in it. There is all harm, all risk, zero benefit. The shot causes clotting. The shot causes inflammation. The shot causes all those conditions I listed. We know that from the data now, from the
suffering from a disease. Almost all of America's children have had COVID. When you add a shot on top of their broad given natural immunity, you increase their immune response. You increase their risk for autoimmune disease, hyperinflammatory. Ah, I'm sorry, guys. I apologize. I'm trying to play this dynamic with little puppy Sierra here. So I forgot that I was playing it off of the screen. So let me go back a second. My apologies. I thought I was playing the video that was loaded in the background. So my apologies. I think it was right about here. Children are at zero. Do not die from this disease. Healthy children do not have severe adverse effects from this disease. Healthy children are at zero risk for COVID. And I call it COVID now, not COVID, because we have Omicron. And in children, it is a sniffle. Why would you give a gene-based experimental shot to your child risking her fertility, risking her heart, her brain, her liver, her health for her entire lifetime for a common sniffle? There is no logic in it. There is all harm, all risk, zero benefit. The shot causes clotting. The shot causes inflammation. The shot causes all those conditions I listed. We know that from the data now from the Pfizer data, from the post-clinical trial data. COVID, Omicron, is a sniffle in children. Dr. Macri out of Johns Hopkins went back and looked. There was no healthy child that died from COVID. And so it is an absurdity. Here's the other absurdity. Children in the United States, as of February, 75% had had COVID already. Now that we're a couple months later, about 90% of America's children have had COVID. You do not ever give a shot to somebody that's recovered from a disease. Anthony Fauci said this about the flu in 2018. The best immunity of all is recovery from a disease. Almost all of America's children have had COVID. When you add a shot on top of their broad given natural immunity, you increase their immune response. You increase their risk for autoimmune disease, hyperinflammatory responses, heart disease, et cetera, and inflammation of the ovary in these little girls. It is a horrible idea. I want every mama bear in the sound of my voice, you protect that child. It is medically insane, medically not indicated, and it is actually criminal harm to put a needle in the arm with a gene-based jab for a child that's recovered. And it goes on from the, from the interview itself, but it's, it's absolutely staggering that this stuff can be, like I said, backed by peer-reviewed science and Pfizer's own data. And yet you can't talk about it. That he's a fake news conspiracy theorist to people that don't want to hear it. Now, whether that's the popular opinion or not, whether that's everybody, I don't believe it is. The point is that Twitter, YouTube, the government, and the corporate media continue to pretend that's what the reality is. Continue to censor people that point to peer-reviewed science and people like him. It's just, it's, it's infuriating. Now, what's even more frustrating is that this continues to be shown and seen, and at some point, it'll probably be allowed to be discussed. And we're seeing that happen right now with Fox and CNN and different quasi-independents where they're breaking stories that we covered seven months ago. Now, again, it's not really about saying we discovered that or they discovered that. It's about limited hangout controlled flow of information, guys. As I always say, of course we care about credit. Everybody cares about being seen for something they're doing or believe they're doing right. But at the end of the day, this is important stuff that we need to fight for. Is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. 
Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Apologies, guys. So, the point here is that this is everywhere, and we need to be able to continue to have these conversations because we can prove this stuff. That's the important part, and we just need to continue to fight for this because it's going to eventually be pointed out, and that's good. Back to the point about, you know, it's important that we don't allow the corporate media to basically take control of the narrative and then drive it into something that can be dismissed. I find that to be very important. Now, on this point about censorship in regard to the last channel, right? This is the next important part because I think we are finding ways around their censorship. If we can just embrace this model that doesn't allow us to be centralized on their platforms, right? So here's the point. I, I, the moment I was censored today, I jumped right over the, one of the other accounts. This just happened to be the first one that I saw. Went over to Pirate Vagabond, Tennessee. Changed it to now Ryan Christian, which they'll probably censor as soon as they see that. Maybe not. But as I said, Twitter has now censored Doodlebug Eye and Tila Vagabond for posting and discussing peer-reviewed science. That's what happened. I will prove that on today's show, which I hopefully just did. And linked a bunch of people down here. But here's the point about this, guys. So I went on. Oh, first of all, this account when I start when I just twitched over had about three, four hundred followers. It's now gone up to 890. Well, that's funny. It was 900 something last time I checked. I guess they're already removing follows. I guess. I don't know. That's hilarious. Let me see what it says over here. When I checked right before I went live, it was, <laughs> look at that. My God, these people are pathetic. Look. Hey, look, 893. That's weird. Maybe they're lying. <laughs> Whatever. So the point, I went over to this account, shared this, and it got 332 likes, 140 retweets so far. Now, what does that show you? That engagement is only there because our community is recognizing, and hopefully that goes up more, that it's not about which account, you know, whatever you're locked into. It's about wherever we currently are that day. So I put the notification out on Discord and told everybody that in our community, let everybody know this is the new account. And instantly we saw like 500 follows, instantly. How do they stop that? If you can get your entire community, now, of course, you're going to lose people here and there. You're going to lose people on the peripheral that are kind of there, kind of in, kind of out, you know, but you will develop a hardcore following that will follow you. Then I had a video that I was making and I'm going to, this will shift us over into the mask conversation. It's a quick part of it. I was doing this before I realized I was censored and I was making a little short video because I saw the WHO pushing mask mandates right after we just talked about it yesterday. And I was going to make a little video. Now look at the engagement on this video, guys. I put this out on the on an account that had 500 followers and I made sure everybody saw it. It's got almost 4,000 likes, almost two, almost 2,300 retweets. The point is that this is getting reach on an account that I just started using. How incredible is that? Now let's watch this really quickly. I want to show you this video. It's only a minute just to show you the video. And please share this. I'm going to put the link in there so you guys can use this yourselves. But this one minute clip is undeniable. This is only a fraction of the peer-reviewed science that is finding that masks are dangerous and do not have an effect in reducing transmission, or rather, not statistically significant in reducing transmission, despite the science, the Fulgen effect. This study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals. New study, face mask usage correlates with higher death rate, was not able to reduce transmission. 
also suggests the universal use of masks may have had a harmful unintended consequence. The carbon dioxide can- content in inhaled air rises on average to 13,000 parts per million, no matter whether children wear a surgical or a higher level mask. This study, the RAND controlled trial of cloth masks, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may increase your risk of infection. Cloth masks should not be recommended. In the pooled analysis of everything, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. There is limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. Pretty hard to miss all that, right? That, those are all, I mean, I think all but one are peer-reviewed. And it, I mean, let's just say there's a hundred other studies that say different. This should be acknowledged. And this is the current version. Remember in the beginning when they said, oh, that's old. That's from years ago. Let's focus on the new thing we just pointed at. Okay, well, why aren't they doing that now? These are the, the last one right there. The last one we point at, that's important. That one's discussing specifically the unsafe level of carbon dioxide being measured within the mask of children. You mean ex- exactly what we talked about in the beginning and got shouted down by ZMB. I, I can never remember that guy's name. I just remember specifically because he was one of the ones that was so smugly dismissing everybody. Antibody dependent enhancement. I think it's Z Dog, Z M D Z Dog, or whatever. Give him in the chat, whatever his name was. And the point is, these people were laughing people down for this. You don't understand how the mask works, and that's the meter is not supposed to be used like that, despite how it's exactly what OSHA regulators showed on their own videos. But here we go. Now we've got peer-reviewed science backed up by observational, backed up by I mean any number of things, and yet we are still here. We are still. Deviating or moving into a situation where they are recommending masks again. Here's somebody in the chat. So, after what you just saw, here's what they have to say Good, masks work very well when actually worn. Oh, okay. So, you know better than the peer reviewed science we just showed, which is certainly possible. But, how, what a response is that? So, those are, are all incorrect. Just basically, nope, fake news. Good masks work when worn. Well, I guess. What do you mean good masks? You mean the N95s? You mean like those the, the three different studies that also showed that those don't actually change the data? But no, just you know better, Jill. Human behavior is such that many wear crap masks or poorly below the... Well, yeah, remember when that was brought up in the beginning? When people like us made the argument that one of the main factors were that people don't wear them properly or touch them all the time. And that's when Fauci was saying the same thing, but then it shifted away and we're all fake news for saying any of it. It's funny how those same arguments now become their arguments when it's allowed to be discussed. Then it says, similar to car accidents, usually due to drunk and reckless drivers, lack of seatbelts, ignoring traffic signs and speed limits. Right. So it's your fault. You're dumb. You're the dumb one. So it it would work if you weren't so stupid. Well, fine. So let's just pretend that's a fair argument. But people are stupid. So what is your argument, Jill, that we should wear masks, even though you just told us a reason why they won't work because too many people wear them wrong? So good masks when we're right. So should we be having courses and showing people how to wear them? How about you blame the CDC for being the group that pushed the cloth masks every single day for years straight until they finally deviated about a couple months ago or six months ago? But nope, none of that matters. It's all fake news because masks work. Shut up. That's what you're dealing with. Next one. Oh, look at that. Somebody smart enough to realize that even they were saying this way. This is April 3rd, 2020. But even... Van Tam slightly changed his argument when that narrative started to shift. But remember, this is what he was saying back then. Um, to um, a colleague in Hong Kong um, who's uh, a professor there 
who's done the evidence review for the World Health Organization on face masks. And we're of the same mind that there is no evidence that general wearing of face masks by the public who are well affects the spread of the disease in our society. So how can you have a statement like that and pretend that we're crazy? Right? This, who, this is Professor Jonathan Van Tam who is telling you up until April 3rd, 2020, the body of evidence that we have, which is the same argument we made, and by the way, the same argument that the CDC meta-analysis made in May 2020, that the body of evidence shows that they do not have an effect on transmission. But yet somehow that got turned into absolute safety, protect your grandma, you're crazy if you don't, we'll remove you from your job, we'll attack you and put you in prison. That How do you make sense of that other than a broken reality, other than a corporate effort to completely propagandize and, and then then when you realize that they are in fact dangerous based on the peer-reviewed science, how do you think they don't know that? I cannot see this any other way than the fact that this was done at some level to make sure that people were ill because of this or had symptoms that looked like what they wanted. I mean, this is an illusion. You don't have to agree with that last part, but you can't ignore the fact and see that's the kind of stuff that gets me cast as conspiracy theorists, despite the fact that we continually get shown to be right as we go far enough forward. The point is that these don't have the effect we tell you they do, period. They never have. What matters right now, of course, is social distancing. And um, yes, it is true that we do see very large amounts of um, mask wearing, particularly in Southeast Asia. But we have always seen that for many decades. And this is their argument. Well, look at Asia. They've been doing it for so long. How can it be wrong? Well, listen up, guys. They tried to tell you before they were told not to speak on it. And it is entirely wired into some cultures um, that masks are worn quite frequently in, in, in open spaces. So it's very different. But in terms of the hard evidence and what the UK government recommends, we do not recommend face masks or general wearing by the public. Yep, that was done. And then it was two, th- two seconds later, it was absolute fake news. You're all going to die if you don't. Now, after all that, all this peer-reviewed science, here are the very person who's supposed to be knowing and aware of all of that peer-reviewed science who either does and doesn't care or is too stupid to see it. Here's, what, here's what's being said right now. I believe i pretty sure I downloaded that. Let me look. Maybe not. <laughs> I think it's loud enough. I'm concerned that cases of COVID-19 continue to rise, putting further pressure on stretched health systems and health workers, and also concerned about the increasing trend of deaths. The Emergency Committee on COVID-19 met on Friday last week and concluded that the virus remains a public health emergency of international concern. The committee noted they're concerned about several interlinked challenges. First, subvariants of Omicron like BA4 and BA5 continue to drive waves of cases, hospitalization, and death around the world. Second, surveillance. That's not even true, by the way. That's remote. That's not even remotely true. Cases, they can argue. Hospitalization and death have been dramatically lower, but they just keep saying that because that's what they do. Now, again, that's not my opinion, guys. That is literally backed up by the very stats they point at when they say that. War is peace, ignorance is strength. I mean, there's just no way around that. It's absolutely baffling. ...has reduced significantly, including testing and sequencing, making it increasingly difficult to assess the impact of variants on transmission 
disease characteristics and the effectiveness of countermeasures. Third, diagnostics, treatments and vaccines are not being deployed effectively. As transmission and hospitalizations rise, governments must also deploy tried and tested measures like masking, improved ventilation and test and treat protocols. I urge governments to regularly review and adjust their COVID-19 response plans based on the current epidemiology and also the potential for new variants to appear. Governments should also work to reverse the reduction in surveillance, testing, and sequencing. The main point here, guys, is tried and true. I mean, does anybody really need to be told that lockdowns don't work or that masks don't have the effect they say they do? Tried and true? I mean, that's incredible. Even their own corporate people in their own circles have been saying these things don't work. I mean, for crying out loud, do I need to, I just played this like three days ago. This is from the WHO on lockdowns. And yet here he is literally saying that lockdowns are tried and true. So was this guy lying? I want to say it again. Uh, We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. Now, you've seen that many times. He goes on to explain why, that they hurt poor people and that they don't have the effect, that there's lots of catastrophic side effects. Tried and true, huh? That's the WHO speaking, or at least somebody part of it. The point is there's lots of studies and lots of information that have shown us this entire time that these things are catastrophically bad, destroying economies, destroying mental illness or mental health. Or, I mean, everything except what they claimed it was helping, which is reducing cases. And even that was then shown to not actually have the effect they thought it was. But it, it, it all said and done, the, even if you think it's having the effect in reducing transmission, which of course it does in some level because people aren't around each other. But that's the thing is that's not even what happened. People aren't following what they're supposed to in regard in their minds. But the point is they shouldn't have the ability to lock you down in the first place. It's about recommendations, right? WHO, nope. Then we're driving towards a treaty with teeth. So they're going to tell you you have to do it. Right. I'm getting off the point. The reality is that these things are not tried and true. The data was before this showing you they didn't work. We just watched how they didn't work. There's a thousand examples of how either of them didn't end up what they wanted them to do. In fact, added all sorts of other problems. And yet here we are starting all over again because he said so. That's not trusting the science. That is trusting the mantra, the narrative, the science verbatim says the opposite of what they're pointing out. I just can't say this enough, but this is why we keep getting censored. And I'm not telling you to trust me. Look at the scientific studies. Now here, one more point before I go over the next thing in regard to the the new variant push. Somebody just shared this with me today. This is very alarming. This is from the WHO. It's on their website. Early artificial intelligence supported response with social listening. Social listening. Look at this. Posts analyzed since December 15th, 2020. So did you know that the WHO was analyzing your social media posts since December 15th, 2020? Seems like that was pretty coordinated, wasn't it? December 15, 2020 was right when the injections started being given to the world outside of trials. Funny how they wanted to immediately see what you were saying. 30 countries, language, nine languages, 41 COVID-19 categories tracked. Listening to people's questions and concerns. Well, that's an easy way to make that sound like you're like it's, it's like we're petitioning you. No, they're analyzing your media posts. And it says social listening platform aims to show real-time information about how people are talking about COVID online, right? So it's not, we're not asking you anything. You're watching what we're talking about and you're dissecting it. 
That's crazy. This is the future. This is what they're doing. Now, if you believe that's to better address your questions as opposed to get ahead of what you think is happening, then I'll leave that to you. Hopefully time proves me wrong, but I don't think it will. Now, here again, we just talked about this, just to reiterate the fact that they're, they're now saying COVID remains a global health emergency. Despite Fauci saying we were out of the pandemic phase, despite the fact that we've never even remotely been in any any remote, uh, even remotely some kind of pandemic phase based on every metric before, as I think it was the high wire that made this clear, the U.S. government's own metrics on pandemics put this maybe level one, level two, if you still went back on what they said before, but that all got changed because COVID, right? Now something that's level one and two is the biggest pandemic of a century because they just changed the definition. Does that seem real to you? Why would they have a metric for pandemics that have been there the entire time up until COVID and it does barely registers. And then because COVID, they just change it all. And now we're in a dangerous situation. Are we, or is that a narrative change? I think you're smart enough to see that. But we remain in the global health emergency. He says, we're nowhere near over. Well, I don't think he gets to decide that. WHO, their mandate is to monitor and recommend, but they don't get to decide this is over or not. You do. You do. And then you, through that, is supposed to drive what your government decides, but that's not how that works either. But we are not and have never have been in what they deem a pandemic. Now, on the emergency use authorization, I want to reiterate this quickly because this that David, Dr. David Samadhi pointed something out that is important to see that it's ridiculous they're doing this again. But remember, guys, we already made this clear. The emergency use authorization was, went, was uh, no longer valid after July 11th, according to their own information. I'll show you now. But he says the U.S. will be extending this emergency on Friday, which is, I, I, I keep saying 20, but it's, I mean, you could look, it's, this is the data. You can go all the way to the bottom and see when they started and count through them. It's going to be right here. Officially beginning. Oh, sorry, I passed it. Officially beginning right here on April 2nd, 2020, I believe. No, January 31st, 2020. I was going to say that doesn't sound right. So nothing below it. So, okay. So officially starting on January, Donald Trump, Donald Trump initiates an emergency health emergency that has been used and repeated since then. Now, I mean, you could argue that Biden would have done it anyway. Well, maybe we don't know. Probably. I agree. He probably would have. But you have to acknowledge that this was something that was Trump's administration beginning the lockdowns, the mandates, the 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 um the, the, the emergency allowed these governors to do the mandates. We had the Stafford, uh, you know, the production Sta- production defense act. Martial law, all these things were continued on with the Biden. So this was a handing off of the baton. But from January 31st forward, the point is every 90 days, they're required to reinitiate the, you know, revote and establish the emergency. Now you can go through here and see, let's go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. So I, I'm overshot. So this will be the 11th or the 12th time, the 12th time they've reinitiated this. So every three months they have to. You'll find at least four or five times where they have missed the mark. Now, this is not my opinion. 90 days from April 12th, which was the last was the last emergency reinitiation right there. 90 days from that is July 11th. Right here to make it clear declaration generally lasts for 90 days, but may be extended after each extension. The declaration lasts for 90 days or until they declare it no longer an emergency whichever occurs first. There is no buffer zone. After 90 days, 
There is no more state. You have lapsed the emergency. So in that period of time between January, July 11th and this Friday, every injection that's given, every mask mandate, everything done under the guise of this emergency is illegal. I can't believe I'm the only one pointing this out. And maybe there, maybe there are other people, but I haven't seen them. Now, pull on Jimmy Dore here. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are talking about it, but I, I haven't seen anybody bring this up. This is an important point. So we need to ask ourselves, and oh, but here, by the way, here's the administ- from Bloomberg, where they state, the Department of Health and Human Services has repeatedly renewed this since it began. The most recent expi- set to expire July 15th. That's not true. It's right here, April 11th, 12th, excuse me, April 12th, and that's 90 days since those July 11th. Where would those extra days come from? There's not some kind of holiday or weekends don't count. There's no, it's not. It's exactly 90 days. So right now, they no longer have an emergency, a legal emergency, a declaration right now. Why? I don't get it. I don't get why this continues. It's crazy that they continue to do it anyway, since we're not even in an emergency, since nothing in this current situation, especially compared to what they claimed was happening in the middle of it, is an emergency, not even remotely. So please, guys, get this out there. Get people to share this information. Now, this is, in my opinion, trying to hide more of what's happening around everything, all the side effects. Report recent reports of human. Oh, that's right. Let's look up. Uh, if, let's look right. Let's see. Usually, it'll give you one with a. Of course, now here we go. No. Let's try to find a way to pronounce it. Let's do this. Just make sure I don't pronounce it incorrect. A lot of times we have it. There we go. Parecovirus. 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 It sounds like an accent. Yeah, there. <laughs> it sounds like some. Anyway, parecovirus. Let's go with that. So, or PEV for short, pericovirus, reports of human pericovirus in the United States 2022, July 12th. This was yesterday. The Centers for the CDC is issuing a health alert advisory to inform clinicians and public health departments that pericovirus is currently circulating in the United States. And you look, if you look for myocarditis, not there. Not in there. You'd think they would mention it, don't you? But then you'd also realize, oh, that's right. They barely say that word, but they don't have to because they're very aware of how it's connected to what's going on. So not a mention of it. But guess what? When you quickly look at what it is, it's a genus of viruses in this specific family, humans, ferrets, and various rodents serve as natural hosts. The gene, the genus currently consists of six accepted species. Human pericovirus may cause gastrointestinal and respiratory illness in infants. Oh, interesting. So the thing you're giving them that literally then causes them to get what they call COVID-19 is exactly what it seems to cause. First of all, respiratory illness on top of the mass you force on them that causes them to get more infections and gastrointestinal, which you've also seen plenty of associations with the injection. But here's the most important part. And they have been implicated in cases of myocarditis and encephalitis. No way. I, it's almost, you couldn't be, you, you, it's one of those statements where you couldn't make this up, but you certainly can. So now you got kids that are getting myocarditis that they don't want you to hear, even though we're going to show you a moment again that even Moderna admits this is their newest shots still have an increased risk of myocarditis. And yet now they're coming out with warnings, warnings about things that are circulating that are causing kids to get a thing that causes or can be connected to myocarditis. At the very least, has the same symptoms of things that you're giving them. Now, I'm not saying this is provable or necessarily absolute. I believe this is part of it. But is this circulating? That's certainly possible too. You see, because we're honest and objective about it. All we keep showing is that these are things they keep pointing out that overlap with something they don't want to talk about. It could be be completely not even there for all I know. But the bottom line is that this is also something that is being done to children because of the injections they circulate. We know that. They've admitted that 
super rare, but they keep saying it. Encephalitis too, by the way, swelling of the brain. We've seen that in a lot of examples. I mean, check, look, I can just do this. And so this is how simple this is because of how much is out there. Encephalitis. Oops. COVID vaccine. Post-COVID-19 vaccine acute hyperactive encephalopathy. Oh, look at that. First one on NCBI, Natural Library of Medicine, or Library of Medicine, NIH. Case of encephalitis following the COVID vaccine. Like this is, you think this is difficult? That's like the easiest, like I'm surprised they don't censor that. There's more of these guys. Look at how many there are. Case reports after AstraZeneca, booster vaccine induced encephalitis, Springer. These are three different studies, all of them peer reviewed. September, 2021. Vaccine acute hyperactive encephalopathy. A case of encephalitis following COVID vaccine. COVID-19 booster vaccine induced encephalitis. I I didn't look this up before. I didn't maybe I could have been proved wrong right there. I could have searched it and found nothing. But look at that. What do you know? It's everywhere. So let's go back for a second. You don't even need to do myocarditis. They've admitted that one. And yet here we are. Two things this thing is connected to that are also caused by the injection, but we don't want to talk about that. Maybe it's the injection causing this and it has nothing to do with PEV. No fake news. We can't allow that kind of conversation. But what we are seeing is, again, things that could just be totally unconnected, but a very weird and continual string of healthy young people surprisingly suddenly dying in the middle of the night in their bed. Netflix star, Boosie, Actress 36 found dead, passed suddenly. Official cause of death is still unknown. Yeah, it could, certainly could be other things. But, you know, again, it becomes the very argument they made in the beginning of all this. You know, when we see an example, oh, like, you know, let's just take the encephalitis, right? Well, they had encephalitis, but what's the normal amount that you would see in a population in a given time? Is it more than that? Well, then it's not the vaccine, right? That's not how that goes. It could be, and it could also just be natural occurrence that happened in the same time frame. That's what an honest person would say. But this, along with all the athletes and all the children and all the things, and then again, not, not we proving that the vaccine caused it, just general athletes that have collapsed in the field and died. Children that have collapsed in their beds, collapsed in their homes, collapsed in the field and died with no discernible reason is so far outside the amount that we've seen anywhere in history that it's, it's alarming. It is painful to watch this get covered up. As I keep showing you, I've got the stats from from FIFA, the stats from the NIH, and exactly what they found over a 10-year period. We are hundreds and hundreds of provable athlete collapse past that, not even bringing the conversation around to the vaccine. We don't have to we don't have to talk about that to make that valid. How can you look at so many athletes or children for that matter that have had unexplainable cardiac arrest that is exponentially more than we're supposed to see in a given year and yet we can't even talk about it? At least give us another alternative. Oh, yeah, climate change. Oh, he was moving his sheet too much. He was laying on his side too long. Maybe you could argue that increases some small amount, but you can't then go, oh, they must have all slept funny. That's not science. We are way past it. There should be an entire investigation about how this makes sense, and they're not. Marion Barber's cause of death revealed, and it's heartbreaking. Apparently, this high-level career athlete died of heat stroke. Because that makes sense. Certainly possible certainly possible. But it seems there's a lot of this going around, you know, like all of the people in San Francisco falling down, heat strokes, heart attacks because of 75 degree weather, which by the way, is about three degrees lower than the constant average in that same month. 
But yeah, whoa, three degrees and we're falling, collapsing and having heart attacks. I'm not even making this up. It's from a censored account. So apparently they just hide the, tw- the links now or the images. But don't worry, I saved the article. Fans suffer medical emergencies. I mean, this is not even a joke. This is actually what it says. And they make clear that they're the ones saying that the medical that they induced suffering heart attacks, heat stroke, physical trauma, falling down. It was 75. The high was 75 degrees that day. The high. Guys, I grew up in California. That is a beautiful day. 75 degrees is gorgeous. That's not what's happening. That's a clumsy effort to hide the very real problem that's happening right now. Here's another one. Five-year-old in critical condition after suffering cardiac arrest on a football field. May 26th. That's it. There's no, we don't, no explanation. Oh, guess what? They found some rare thing. Now, that is an example we made about before. Now, could that, it's possible that they didn't discover this before. And then you really did have a rare thing and it was the football that caused it. Now, that's, that's fair. But you add this in the growing number of people that is so far around and above the amount that we're usually seeing. And it's the same point. Vaccination aside, even though that's very clearly part of this, you remove that from the conversation. Why doesn't anybody care why there's so many children collapsing? Why there's so many athletes collapsing? But whether or not, well, actually, the point I was going to make was that we know that the injections do create these problems. So it's just as likely that it caused it or that they randomly discovered it. But again, the point is just that it's happening. And that's unbelievable. Vaccinated boy, age six, dies in Portugal following a heart attack. This one, they did know. Vaccinated with his first dose of the COVID jab, died in Portugal on Sunday following a heart attack. Look these up for yourself. It's undeniable. Now, do you know it's the vaccine? No, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. But I do know that these many children dying of heart attacks is not normal, guys. But don't worry, though. The CDC is happy to tell you the common side effects for three-year-olds that don't need the injection, that aren't at risk from COVID-19, who get this injection. Well, mild, but can be different than those experienced by other children. Irritability, sleepiness, pain, side loss of appetite, loss of appetite, swollen lymph nodes, which is not really good. Not, not the safest thing in the world, especially for a baby. But guess what, guys? It's also the number one sign of potentially having monkeypox. Don't forget that. Look at that little overlap. But I guess they just left off the heart attack, blood clot, myocarditis, sudden infant death syndrome, all those things that are clearly connected. But, you know, fake news there. Don't talk about those. So let's talk about the moral bioenhancement and whether that's, in fact, what's already happening. This is from 2016. 2016. Climate change, cooperation, funny they would use that word if they're talking about doing it secretly, and moral bioenhancement. Actually, before we even get to that, let's read this one first. I just used this one from PubMed this time instead, National Library of Medicine. January 2019, compulsory moral bioenhancement should be covert. You guys have seen this if you watch this show. Some theorists argue that moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory. I take this argument one step further arguing that if moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, then its administration ought to be covert rather than overt. Obviously, whether it's moral in the first place is a highly debatable question, but they're just going, let's just, that's like starting, because we know they're safe, therefore, well, no, we don't know that. We don't know it's moral. Moral is whatever they say it is. It's because they decide sort of that weapons and nuclear technology and gas are now green, green technology. Because, well, because we use them to fight bad guys who then allow us to build in good ways, so therefore green. That's child logic. That's not even logic. 
even the green movement is saying, what are you doing? You can't make gas and oil green. It, it undermines the entire thing. Of course it does, because they don't care about your stupid movement. I shouldn't say stupid. It's only stupid because of what they've done to it. They don't care about what you believe in. They care about using these things to drive in what they want. And that's being seen very clearly. If you think it makes sense to make weapons, gas, and, and nuclear technology, green technologies under the ESG category, then you are already lost because you're only following along what they tell you you're supposed to think that day. I support the current thing. It says, this is to say that it is morally preferable for compulsory moral bioenhancement. Think nanotechnology, right? Think in, implants, think implantables. Think, you know, the smart dust conversation. These are all moral bio, or excuse me, these are all bioenhancements. Nanotechnology that would, let's say, detect viruses, or let's say, tra- you know, change the way you... Your body functions to be administered without the recipients knowing that they are receiving the enhancement. He's saying it's morally preferable for that to be administered that way if you don't know it. His argument for this is that if moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, which they've already argued is a yes, then its administration is a matter of public health. And for this reason, should be governed by public health ethics. Yeah, ethics. Don't don't miss the, the contradiction there. I argue that the covert administration of the compulsory myo, moral bioenhancement program better conforms to public health ethics than does an overt compulsory program. So it makes more sense to this person to secretly manipulate your body in, in an ethics conversation than to do so in a public sense and tell you it's happening. How in the world? Ethics don't change because you don't know they're happening. That's them making it okay because you don't push back. In particular, a covert compulsory program promotes values such as liberty, utility, equality, and autonomy better than overt ones do. How exactly? How does it promote liberty? Because I don't know what's happening to me. Therefore, I don't feel my liberty is being challenged. So as long as we don't think we're being attacked, then I'm okay. Right? So it comes down to if we can treat, get the peons to think happy thoughts, then nothing we do matters. Enter TV, social media, two-party paradigm. Thus, a covert compulsory moral bioenhancement program is morally preferable to an overt one. Gee, I wonder if they took that and, and, and ran with it. What do you think? Well, let's go back to 2016, where they were still making the same argument, but about climate change. A, the human faculty of moral judgment is not well suited to address problems like climate change that are global in scope and remote in time. So again, starting off as if we know these things for true, we don't. The data is completely subjective and people are debating this even right now, whether or not the very premise of the idea of climate change is sound, not to suggest that we're not hurting this planet in ways that are catastrophic and irreversible, but the way that they're politically using the idea of carbon manipulation and carbon tracking and a climate change argument is politics. But the point is because this, therefore this, right? That's the way they always do that. Advocates of moral bioenhancement have proposed, and this is before the other study we just showed you, mind you that we should investigate the use of medical technologies to make human beings more trusting and altruistic and hence more willing to cooperate in efforts to mitigate the impacts of climate change. Now, who gets to decide who they trust? Who gets to decide who is deserving of trust, right? So if we're more altruistic, meaning we want to do right by the world, how do we know that there aren't people that are manipulating that altruism because we're too blind to see that they're not altruistic with us? to drive us in directions where we don't know. That's what happens today. Are they going to take this stuff too? Would that even matter? 
Because guess what? You don't get to know. Has it already been put in your water? Has it already been sprayed on top? Is it in the injections they're giving? These aren't invalid questions when they're sitting here arguing that we should do this covertly. We survey recent accounts of and of the proximate and ultimate causes of human cooperation in order to assess the prospects for bioenhancement. We identify a number of issues that are likely to be significant obstacles to effective bioenhancement as well as areas for future research. Techn- they're researching technologies to turn human beings more trusting and altruistic and more willing to cooperate with things they tell you will stop what they tell you is a problem. If you're not alarmed by that, then you're not paying attention. That was 2016. Just to make sure, 2019, 18, they reiterated it. Just because we want to make sure you know that if we believe this should be done secretly, January 2019, right before this started. We need to ask these questions, guys. Now, whether it was happening then or maybe it's happening now, we should ask these questions. I'm not saying I even believe that's necessarily what's already happened, but it's a valid possibility. And that's the kind of stuff they don't like people having introspective conversation, challenging the narrative. Now, Moderna is planning to make two different Omicron boosters. Now, how does that make sense? One for the US, another for the UK and the EU. So what happens when those two things cross? What happens when when you're treating one thing over here that you claim you're meaning herd immunity to and then one thing over there? Well, doesn't that challenge the very premise of the earliest idea that if then what happens is that you then get introduced to the other thing they have and then the, then you get sick because you weren't fighting that one off and I mean, this is the broken idea that you can have herd immunity, but that one person in Africa didn't get the vaccine. Therefore, oh, it didn't work. Start all over again. It's child level logic. But this gets even more ridiculous than this. And I'll show you why. The type of COVID-19 booster dose you get later this year, as if we're already set to do that, right? Because remember, that was fake news that we were going to get boosters every year. Now it's definitely happening. And you're crazy if you don't agree with it. Could depend on where you live. Vaccine maker Moderna is working up two Omicron targeting boosters for different countries. If the company's plan pans out, it will mark the first time the COVID vaccines would target different versions of the pandemic coronavirus in different places. Until now, talk about experiments, guys. The you are the experiment. Until now, all vaccines, all their injections, rather, gene therapies, including boosters, have targeted the ancestral strain of, co- of SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, we keep telling you that. How about you stand in that moment, ask yourself how that makes sense. If they're the ones telling you that the only thing circulating right now is maybe Delta and some versions of Omicron, why would it make sense to take the original thing that's tailored to something that's not there? They'll, they will admit in their other conversations that's not safe, except they'll still argue, as even Pfizer did, that their regimen still begins with the first shot, even if they make the new Omicron boosters. That's what they just said. You know why that doesn't make sense. It's, in fact, dangerous. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance, in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn. 
because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. Yep, you played that a million times, right? So they know that. At the very least, they know it was possible. But the moment that you offer that as maybe happening, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. Because that's the kind of aggressive, rabid pushback you get from anybody anywhere that's bought in when you challenge the thing you're not supposed to challenge. Despite the fact that it's tied to what the gospel of Fauci said and peer-reviewed science. But they're right now still giving those injections, even though all three of those doctors just told you that it's not safe. It's not safe. Clearly, you are giving people shots that create antibodies to something that is not there. Whether you believe it was never there or whether you believe it's changed, it doesn't really matter. You're still putting something in your body that creates a reaction that is hurting you. And it's obvious. Millions of adverse events, 20,000 plus reports of death. It's unbelievable. And as we showed you from before, even in 2006, the UK said systems like that are just meant to be signals. We don't even need to prove them, was what the person said running the, the yellow card system in 2006. All we need is the signals. By that logic, this should have been shut down 19,550 reports ago. Or excuse me. Yeah, that's right. So 50 reports. So the point is going forward, both of Moderna's next gen booster candidates are bivalent vaccines, which target both the ancestral strain, which why? God knows. There's something weird about that. And some versions of Omicron. One booster option targets BA1, the version of Omicron that first burst out of South Africa last November. So the original Omicron, apparently, which, by the way, first burst out of Botswana, then Africa, which they love to continue to omit, which continues to tell me that there's something going on there. Oh, I, don't, I wonder if this is going to come up now since it was my old account. Let's see. There it is still. Statement on the new. Okay, let me do this. Actually, I'll just. Oh, this is there. Okay, good. I'll, I want to save this so I don't forget about it. But as you can see. The virus was detected on four foreign nationals who had entered Botswana on the 7th of November on a diplomatic mission. They had diplomatic immunity. These four foreign nationals who no one's ever identified, how is that even possible? Aren't you supposed to find out where these things start? Why don't they care about that? Isn't that a huge waving red flag? Yes. Then we need to ask why they got sick, where it came from, whether it came from where they were in Botswana or it came from where they came from and whether it was whatever they brought with them, which the seeing as how they had diplomatic immunity, no one was able to check what they were carrying. So they effectively bring this over, get people sick, pass it on to South Africa and then disappear. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. If this was a real investigation, the WHO, the CDC would demand to know who they were and what they were carrying. Didn't happen. And now we just continue to pretend it started in South Africa. Like we all agree, that's a call to conspiracy theory. Rather, that's called a conspiracy. 
causing a towering wave of infection in the U.S. in January. So they're for, going back. They're making a booster. One of their options tailored toward the original Omicron, even though they're telling you that's predominantly not what's there anymore. That BA1 based next gen booster could be available in the EU, UK, and Australia, and elsewhere later this month or early August. Okay, so that would make sense based on the argument they're saying they're tailoring it to the UK, that one, because they have a different problem. Whereas they say Moderna's other booster options was BA4 and B5, BA5, which we've talked about, predominantly attacking those that are already boosted and is intended for use in the US. However, it's likely they won't be ready until mid-fall. So assuming by fall, there's not a thousand other variants the vaccinated are causing, but it says the U.S. split follows guidance from the FDA, which late last month specifically advised vaccine makers to develop bivalent vaccines targeting BA4 and 5. Okay, so the argument would be that, well, BA1 is predominant in the U.K., therefore making one for them there, and then BA4 and 5 is predominant in the U.S., therefore we're giving them that one, right? Except that right now in the U.K., BA4 and 5 are dominant. So why does that make sense? Why are you even making one that's tailored towards the first Omicron when the ones you're pointing at don't have that one? Okay, so that's the first problem. Then, then okay, fine. Then BA4 and 5 for the U.S., seeing as how they're the ones that have, well, no, that's also not happening, right? In the U.S., what they're now talking about is BA275. Well, I shouldn't say that it is the predominant one, but we're at a point now where that the BA1, the Wuhan isolate, whatever they're talking about, is not even remotely, it's not even happening. But on top of that, this is the new thing they're hyping. So when that becomes the new dot, you can just see how this scale keeps moving. And they're all they're giving you injections that cause responses in your body that are not rooted in reality. Now, the point here to make on top of that is that they're hyping this new one when they don't have evidence for it. No evidence yet. No hard evidence. But cause for concern. So you don't have evidence, but you're concerned? Why? That doesn't even make sense. You're concerned because that's what your job is, to hype the danger. Researchers say there's simply not enough information yet to make predictions about whether this is infect- this infection will be more or less severe than an infection with the previous one. So why would that be cause for concern? There's a new thing that might be less dangerous, but we're concerned. It's counterintuitive. There, and by the way, they're calling it Centuras. So it's not Omicron? How could it be a sub-sub-variant of Omicron? First of all, a sub, first sub-variant should have been something different. They want you to keep grabbing onto Omicron because they think they've got momentum with that narrative. Now they're, now we're on three sub-variants of Omicron. That's why they're giving it a new name. It's something different. Like Delta and Beta, the Beta became Delta. They, they move forward. But nope, we're just holding on to it. Give it new names. We're going to stick with Omicron. Transmissibility, severity, and potential for immune evasion are just unknown. So we don't know if it's transmissible. We don't know if it's severe. But we don't know whether or not it's escaping immune immunity, which, by the way, it's not for anybody with natural immunity that's never gotten an injection. That's been proven by peer-reviewed science. But yeah, let's, let's all freak out about it. Hype is all they want. Here's Moderna's post about these new shots. Now, check this out. Moderna's Omicron-containing bivalent booster candidate, mRNA-1273.214. Now, note that they don't call it spike backs. Neither that or the first one because they're not using that. They're using mRNA-1273. They're using Moderna injection, the, the same way they're using the biotech Pfizer injection, not Comirnaty, because they're claiming to have an approved version, which they've done and approved on a shelf somewhere and not given it to you because you can sue them for that. Among participants without prior infection, exactly. Isn't it funny that they start, to, they start right out with that? This thing works great for those that haven't been infected before. Okay, well, how many people is that? 
oh, that's right. Less than a quarter. So first of all, this is an old, this is April 26th. Now I'm not, I'm not pointing this out for those that are going to, you know, argue that it's not even there. What virus and all that. The point is to make their argument show you that they're on one side of their mouth. They're saying everybody's gotten sick already in April, 60%. Well, it's more than that now, as even Cole pointed out, plenty of others, 90% of people now, according to their own information. So if the vast majority of this country has already gotten sick, and Moderna starts a sentence out by among people that haven't gotten sick, <laughs> it works great. Okay, well, wait a minute then. So that means that a slim portion of this population are even going to have a positive effect from this? Well, that sounds like all the rest of them, doesn't it? But they say, to pretend that everybody needs this, among participants without prior infection, bivalent mRNA1273214 resulted in significantly higher neutralizing titers against BA4 and 5 compared to currently authorized boosters. But what's interesting to me is, they don't say antibodies. They say neutralizing titers. Now, a titer is what you do to find out whether or not you're producing antibodies. I guess that works, but it seems like a. am wondering if that's some sort of a language sidestep for them, right? Whether, now, high neutralizing antibodies in regard to BA4 and 5, remember, do not matter in regard to whatever they say was the Wuhan isolate, to beta, to delta, to the new one, the ones before it. It doesn't make sense. It's not the same thing to their authorized booster. Today's data add to results shared last month from the company's ongoing phase two, three study. So it's still being studied in approximately, wow, 800 people. And don't forget, these are efficacy studies. They are not even doing safety studies. Let me see if I have that. I'll just have my posts on it. We'll look at this one. I don't think I included the link in here. I'll have to find that link. We just saw the one where they admit that. FDA. No, it's not one of those. June 28th. Let me check that one just in case. No. Well, we just discussed this one in regard to the fact that they are no longer doing safety testing on these. They've admitted that themselves. There you go. Got it. Oh, shoot. That's my video. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, I'll, I'll come back to it. But you guys remember the show we talked about it. And this, this is the case. They voted to go forward with no, vote, no new safety testing on their new bivalent vaccines. Right? So what they're telling you here is they're only testing 800 people to find out if it's eff- efficacious. That's it. Is it safe? We don't get to know. They're using old studies on other injections that are different things to act like this make, that proves this is safe. Now, even those show that the earlier ones weren't safe. And yet they're acting like because we said those make it safe that we don't even need to do new ones. But the original ones aren't safe and their own data showed that they weren't safe. So now they're pointing at data that proves they aren't safe to argue these ones are safe. Previous results showed a 50, uh, I think that's microgram, or, or, or micro, I forget what that was again, actually. Remember in the chat what the amount is, the correct statement for that. 50 measurement booster dose of mRNA-1273214 met all pre-specified primary endpoints, which, by the way, don't forget, are simply reducing mild to moderate symptoms. That's it. It's the only thing they care about. And in fact, they're not pretending that's the only thing they ever cared about. With a, And this is the worst part. With a re- reactogenicity and safety profile that's consistent with their currently authorized booster. What's well, scary. So it's it's just as dangerous as the one you're giving now? Yeah, that's what that means. It's consistent. Their safety profile is consistent with the earlier one, the one that's 
hurting a lot of people, the one that's causing myocarditis, the one that's giving people blood clots, the one that's giving people Bell's palsy and heart attacks and everything else. Microgram, that's what I thought. Thank you. How do you, I mean, think about how ridiculous, this is the same point. They are standing on a house of a house built on quicksand that's half submerged and just pretending like it's all good. Based on the sound foundation, we're going to build a house on top of this. That's what's happening. Acting like, and while they point at the sinking house, they go, look how safe it is. Can't you tell? It's just, this is irrational. But they're hoping that we don't stand up and united and tell them we see that you're lying. Now, this is what's interesting. Spike Vax is a vaccine indicated for active immunization to prevent coronavirus caused by, they just basically state what it is. But that's not what they're using. Right. Why would they do that? State this because I think they want people to incorrectly assume that's what they're talking about. They're giving you mRNA 1273.214. If they were giving you spike backs, they would call it spike backs. That's how that works with the name brand once it's approved, not emergency authorized. Which, by the way, shouldn't be happening because the emergency lapsed on January 11th or excuse me, July 11th. Any case. They just state that, which is strange. But it's here's the most important part again. Post-marketing data demonstrate increased risks of myocarditis, particularly seven days following the second dose. They just give you the age breakdowns, which I don't agree with. The data shows the complete opposite. It's pretty much across the board. But guys, how is that acceptable? Remember when that was fake news? When we were censored for pointing out that this has a, a risk of myocarditis? Or when somebody who is a, a, a Division One golfer in a college gets, gets myocarditis and his doctor says he got myocarditis from the vaccine and yet they still censor him and TikTok still removes his account and people still laugh at him online because he's a conspiracy theorist. How can they can admit it's happening and then it's still fake news? It increased risk. Now, the argument, again, I, I forgot to grab this actually, is, let me see if it comes up if I type myocarditis. Yep, there it is. Beautiful. They'll try to argue, don't worry, though, the risk from COVID is way larger, but that's not true. This is one peer-reviewed study, but there's an endless amount of them that make this clear. April 12th, peer-reviewed. Post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with myocarditis. We did not observe an increased risk of pericarditis or myocarditis in patients recovering from COVID-19. How do you trust the science if you're not looking at the science? This is the most recent one that I found, and it's pretty damn sound. So you get a risk from the injection. It's right there, both Pfizer and my and my and Moderna. You don't from COVID-19. Why would you give your child this? Because it's alarming. Now, uh, that's the one we just pointed out. And with the majority of people they're claiming have already been sick, I mean, none of this adds up to begin with. Here's the one we talk about in regard to masking. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, you know what? I, I think I add this out of place in general. Or was this one where, in any case, I'll leave it there. I, I think I pulled it up because it tied to something I was referencing. But the point is, though, don't worry, because the CDC will still continue to censor the information so you don't get scared, right? Just don't forget, for those of the podcast, it's the New York Post in February 22nd. Making sure you see the CDC is withholding COVID data over fears of you misinterpreting it. So you're too stupid. Don't worry. We'll just hide it from you. That, that's what's happening. Still to this day, still right now, they're not showing you the data under the guise that you're too dumb to understand what you're looking at. That's not what's happening. As we continue to show you the data that makes it very clear that this is not safe, that people are being hurt, that the majority of people spreading this are people that already have injections in their body. They know this. They don't care. That's why they're hiding the information. Now, to finish off with some important points, kind of a little bit sporadic all over the place, but some of the ones I used to put in the beginning, I just want to make sure you guys see some of these points before I let you go. 
Just in, U.S. airstrike killed a top ISIS leader. That's interesting timing, isn't it? As I said, top ISIS leader, you mean other than the ones you already shipped to Ukraine? Because that is happening. Even they admitted they're bringing over their rebels from Syria, as if we didn't know that there are no rebels in Syria, that they're all very clearly terrorists that they're arming and funding. There was a comment under here that I was going to share, but I guess, oh, it's not, it's this one, it's under mine. Or I guess not. Wait a minute. Huh, never mind. <laughs> Maybe confusing. Wrong one. I guess I'm mixing it up with our tweet. In any case, I just thought that was ridiculous. That these things are being... Su- and I, the, the joke here was essentially that, you know, if it, did you, it, it's already been 100% defeated twice, right? According to Trump. Two different times in his administration, they were 100% defeated. Or maybe it was Baghdadi they killed for the sixth time. You know, who knows? The point is, they lie a lot. <laughs> in case you didn't get that. Now, on, on Musk and some Twitter points, I thought it was very interesting to see this come out. First of all, to start with this one, in fact, Twitter is now suing Elon Musk over a $44 billion deal, basically trying to force him to make the deal. Something about this seems very off, almost as if the point was to make it happen. Maybe this was all an illusion. I don't even know what's going on. The bottom line is, guys, that these people, none of these people are on your side. I don't know why we can't see that. And for those that think Elon Musk is some sort of conservative hero, (laughs) Elon Musk just called Trump a, a bullshit artist saying there should be a maximum age for presidency, that's not that doesn't seem to align with what most people think he would back. Just think it was interesting. Now, Biden is saying he's also considering a declaration of public health emergency. See how now that's becoming just a common reality? Oh, then you guys don't agree? We'll just declare an emergency. No big deal. For abortion access. Now, I think I'm going to come back to this for just, maybe I'll bring this up in the next show. The point is here, guys, that they're doing this in a way that's very, it's, it's sidestepping the law. You, it, it's like it's like the Supreme Court ruling on anything and having the president just sign a piece of paper that says, no, nah, we'll do it this way instead. Now, had it been the other way around and the Supreme Court upheld Roe versus Wade and the, and the Republicans came out and said, we'll just, uh, and Trump was in power and said, the executive order, nope, doesn't, it doesn't count. Well, they would call that a travesty of justice, wouldn't they? And it would be. Same thing in reverse. Just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean it's illegal. It went the normal process. But one thing I will point out, they keep lying to you. This is CBS News. They know this is not true, but they say it because it's the acceptable talking point that the Supreme Court last month ended a constitutional right. No, it didn't. First of all, abortion was never a constitutional right. That's a blatant lie. You could argue that it was a law, even though I don't agree with that. It was a precedent that they've used to make the law of the land. But on top of that, the Supreme Court ruling didn't, if it was a constitutional, constitutional right, didn't remove anything. It simply gave the states the ability to make their own choices which, by the way, is completely in line with the Constitution. But, so why, this is called misinformation. But they're allowed to misinform like that. So it's okay. Like I've said many times, by the way, that tweet was still up before they deleted my account, saying the vaccine will make you never die. It's still there. You're allowed to lie in pro-vaccine land. You're not allowed to tell the truth in negative vaccine land. This is a lie in the same vein of conversation but it's a loud lie, right? We're allowed to say this lie because everyone said it because that's what gets the dummies out there to buy into what's happening. And they go on Twitter and say, Ray Gore took away my right as a woman. Why do you think that? Because you read what they said on this tweet. Did you actually look into the ruling? Did you look at what it said? Well, no, because then you realize that you're dumb. I shouldn't say that. It angers me though, that people continue to do this. Yeah, the rest is the same stuff you've heard before. White House says, expects June inflation to be highly elevated. 
because Putin, right? Mainly due to gas prices. Putin's fault? Putin's gas hike? Does anybody actually buy that childish statement? Despite the fact that they've already been caught? It's, it's, this is the kind of thing we point out. If you had any wherewithal out there, if you had the, any discernment and you chose to go look up when these gas prices were changing, you would very easily see that they rose most of the way before that ever started. So to call it Putin's gas hike is just dumb. I mean, it's very lowbrow nonsense. Talking point, marching orders. Putin's gas hike, Putin's gas hike. Safe and effective, safe and effective. Well, they're going to tell you inflation is going to be very high. Now, don't forget, in a totally other different realm, different world existing over here, they're saying, well, we're going to do all these things for your future. We're going to do this because climate change and because the world, the, the, w, um, the yeah, WHO sustainable goals. And of course, those things are going to cause some hardships. They're going to cause some food supply issues and some, and some crisis to rise. And that's okay, though, because it's for good reasons. And then we go, but wait a minute, our gas prices are high. They go, Putin did it. Ukraine. That's it. That's the only reason. But wait, didn't you just say that we're going to do those things? Yeah, well, that's different, though. That's not this. Okay. Yeah, that, that's apparently what they're, that, that is happening everywhere. You, if you're taking action on a worldwide scale that's going to reduce things and rise prices because climate change, how is that not affecting the same thing you're pointing out over here? That's a good question, isn't it? This is very, it's like kindergarten level question, but apparently people don't ask it. Is what's happening in Ukraine having an effect? Of course it is, to a very small degree, especially when you dive into the reality of what's happening there and who's doing those things when you get into, let's say, the wheat fields, which we just pointed out yesterday, where you can prove that Ukraine helicopters were caught spraying flares in their wheat fields. And then a week later, they came out and said, Russia's burning wheat fields. Well, if you just choose to blindly hear and regurgitate what you're told, it may sound nice and pretty in your anti-Russia spiel, but the facts are different. Now, it's something I'll point out in another show where there are people finding magnifying glasses on sticks in Russian wheat fields right now. I can't prove that they didn't do it themselves, but it's interesting. There's a lot of this stuff happening. Now, on top of that, in the same kind of vein, the central back digital currencies. This was yesterday. U.S. Treasury research concludes that a well-designed central bank currency may decrease rather than increase financial fragility. That was fake news when we used to say it, remember? Everything. Remember my running list of conspiracy theories coming true? All of them are, now they're real. But they were, if you said them back then, you were fake news though, right? Vaccine passports were dangerous misinformation in 2020. If you even mention the idea that we're going to come, have some fantasy passport for vaccinations, you're a dangerous misinformer and you need to be stopped. A month later, 2021, vaccine passports are safe and effective and everyone should use them. And if you talk about them not being used, you're a dangerous misinformer and you need to be stopped. That's an actual thing that happened. The very same people that were saying you're dumb for saying it, we're now saying you're dumb for not using it. We all see this, and I think most people do. Here's the report talking about this. Of course, it's going to stabilize everything before, you know, right after it collapses everything. Sure, that's the point. That's what they want. And here's another point on this. How, democ how to democratize money and finance the economy. Look at this. This October 20th, 2020. It's almost like they planned this, you know. Look, the COVID-19 crisis underscored the urgency of digitizing sovereign money and ensuring universal access to banking services. Right, so just COVID-19 just happened to associate it. We didn't, it's not planned. It's not because COVID. It just happened to see because COVID, this is something we need to do now. It's ridiculous. And then when we go on a show on October 21st, 2020 and say, they're talking about you removing the dollar and, and tell the, oh, fake news. You're crazy. Enter today. We need to do this because COVID-19 is just unbelievable where we are.
It offers a blueprint for the comprehensive restructuring or reimagining, recreating, redesigning, rebuilding of the central bank balance sheet as the basis for redesigning, rebuilding, reimagining the core architecture of modern finance. Not a conspiracy theory. It's just what they planned out from 2020. You know, exactly. Finally, all of this, this is specifically tailored towards the supply chain discussion, is something we need to see has already been underway. We've talked about the GMO conversation decade before COVID-19, about how it, it, I mean, this is undeniable. Look at right now, listen to what she has to say. The fact is what they did with GMOs, George, uh, uh, Bill Gates specifically involved, reduced the food supply. It created more food scarcity. Now you could say it was a mistake or they, they didn't do it right. The point was they sold it as something that would help everybody and it hurt everybody. Sound familiar? That's the point. Veranda Shiva has consistently spoken out about the use of genetically modified organisms, in this case, food related, and how they have been used against us. As she points out in this clip, as I'll play next, if you can control a country's food supply, you can control the decisions, the decision-making ability of that country. I'll play that, and then I'm going to end with uh, Caitlin Johnstone's quote there. I mean, there's no way to misunderstand how easy this is and that they know this is how it works. Oh, you know what? I did the same thing. I'll play it right here. I was going to download this. I forgot. It won't let me because it's my censored account, but I think it's loud enough. Local communities, which is why hunger grows. Local communities, which is why hunger grows. If we, the world has to be fed, it has to be fed by growing food locally to be used locally as the biggest proportion of the food basket. Some elements will be traded internationally, but what is traded internationally should not be staple foods. What is traded internationally should be that extra flavor of spices from India and coffee from Guatemala. That's all right. But to turn the world into a dependency on staples has nothing to do with feeding the world. It has a lot to do with... Staples like corn, right? Soy, these things that they're using and driving as control structures, not exactly... Because again, they didn't help these people. They made them more food scarce and more dependent on control structures like of the U.S. government controlling the food and staples has nothing to do with feeding the world. It has a lot to do with controlling the food supply. The United States evolved a phrase during the Vietnam War, and the phrase was food as a weapon. The use of food as the ultimate weapon of control. And the tragedy is the growth of agribusiness in the U.S., has gone hand in hand with the U.S. foreign policy to deliberately create hunger locally in order to make the world dependent on food supplies through which you can then control countries and their decision-making ability. So hunger is has become an instrument of war. And food responding to that artificially created hunger is an instrument of war. Peace means you grow food locally, you grow food and you know what What will tie into that? How about, you know, Mike Pompeo saying, well, your people will starve if you don't do what we tell you. And then when they don't do what they tell you, blame that their people are starving on Iran, like it was their choice, right? Or starving Venezuelans, or starving the Yemenis, or starving the Syrians. You start to see a theme here, guys? Just coincidence. They just tripped over their shoelaces and starved an entire country, right? Oops. Or is it clearly a plan? Food as a weapon. The sad reality, guys, 
that you should be coming to your, the conclusion you should be coming to in your mind right now is that you are currently the one that's being focused on. Your food is currently used as a weapon against you right now. That's where we are. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm going to, I'm going to end the show today by reading that, the tweet that I showed there from Caitlin Johnstone, just to make you think about something. And then I'll leave you with this. And by the way, I'll be included in the show notes since I didn't really show it that long. It's she wrote, you may vote and debate freely on any issue, which does not affect the functioning of the empire. When it comes to how money, weapons, and resources move around the world, however, you suddenly find out that your votes don't matter and your position has no mainstream representation. Now, there's a, a thread that she goes on to say, but that one thing just kind of resonated with me, right? The idea that we need to stop looking at our wedge issues and realize that when it really comes to, when it matters, these things are not what they seem. Question everything, guys. I mean, it does, it's just a sound argument to make. So I'll leave you with that, guys. Thank you for being here. And thank you for continuing to support this channel. We're going to continue to be censored. It's going to continue to happen. So go to thelastamericanvagabond.com and subscribe. Follow the podcast at blueberry.com. B, it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. That's, these, are the, these are the groups that have stood by us from the very beginning. And, and, and state, follow us there because we will get censored on these other platforms. At some point, they'll probably find a way around the pirate channels. So continue to follow us. And, and remember, guys, that we don't exist without you. Right. It's, 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 I, I rarely come out with these pushes for give us donations because I just, I feel like it bogs down the show and I hate it too. But we need your support now more than ever. The more, whether you're going to send it directly to the, all the links are in the show notes to our Cash App, to our Subscribe Star, buy me a coffee or direct mailing things. That's, that's what most people seem to do these days. Direct mail, check whatever you want to do to support the platform because we can't do this without you. And I will sure as hell not give up. I love you all. As always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, Okay, but what about the fact, is it really safe and is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter. And the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated.